Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Tech Doctor podcast. I'm Robert, one of the Tech Doctors, and we are so very fortunate this time around to have with us the CEO of Orbit Research, Venkatesh Chari. And we are going to be talking all about Orbit Research, including its brand new Braille product, the, the Orbit Reader 40 which I'm very excited personally about. But we just wanted to have a chance to kind of let everybody know a little more detail about what Orbit Research is, what they do, and what they have to offer. So, Allison, if you don't mind, how about just coming on in here and introducing yourself to Vankatesh? Absolutely, Vankatesh. I'm so pleased that you're here. And my name is Allison Malloy. I am a rehabilitation counselor by trade, so I help um, other people with disabilities to find employment and uh, different solutions um, related to both employment and independent living. And so technology, of course, is a, is a huge part of that. I've been a tech enthusiast since I can remember since I was about five years old. And I have been on the podcast with Robert for about eight years now. And I'm just so glad you're here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. And the other tech doctor, Dr. Woodbridge, all the way from Australia. I think we can hear you way out there somewhere, hopefully. Come on in and, and uh, say hi to Venkatesh, if you will. Hi, Venkatesh. How do I describe myself? Um, I'm well. My official title is National Adaptive or Assistive Technology Advisor to Vision Australia's Vision Retail Store. Um, I also do a talking tech podcast once a week. I do my own podcast feed. I'm just started doing video product demonstrations for the store, which is really exciting as a completely blind person trying to work out focal length and uh, and lighting. Um, and I also do other stuff like attend and do conferences, workshops, write fact sheets, et cetera, et cetera. So that's me in a nutshell. And just for people listening, um, Ben and and I have actually spoken before, um, about things like the excellent Orbit Reader 20, uh, and my favorite toy so far, cause I haven't got my hands on Orbit Reader 40 yet, is the Orbit Writer, which I lovingly use with my Apple Watch every single day. So, um, welcome to the show, Venkatesh. Thank you. Thank you, David. It's, it's good to speak to you again. After this, David, we'll expect you to uh, to have six or eight or 10 or 12 or 20 of those over reader 40s by the next time we, uh, <laughs> we, we podcast. Never know. Absolutely. <laughs> never know. You never know. So, Venkatesh, you are the CEO of Orbit Research. It's a pleasure to have you here. If you would, please, sir, take the microphone for as long as you like and tell us a little bit about you and, and who you are and how in the world you wound up where you are today with Orbit Research. The start of my journey in, uh, uh, in this field was um, with my uh, graduate uh, studies in uh, speech um, analysis, recognition, and synthesis. And um, as a result of that, uh, you know, clearly one of the applications uh, back in those days, and we're talking about uh, the 90s, uh, one of the applications was in digital recorded speech. And um, so as I uh, finished my graduate studies, I um, came in contact with a small company that was developing uh, products, talking products for blind and visually impaired people. And um, uh, that was uh, very interesting. So I started doing some work with them. Uh, we, they kind of uh, liked what, uh, uh, what I had uh, done for them. And uh, one thing led to the other. And uh, I started working with them uh, full time after I graduated. And I really enjoyed uh, the fairly unique combination of, uh, uh, of challenges that uh, this role presented. Um, I'm an electrical engineer by, by training, uh, and uh, I really enjoy creating, um, creating gadgets, you know, creating, creating products, uh, projects, um, call it what you may. And um, the, this gave me an opportunity to create 
products that actually had uh, a purpose and had uh, uh, what proved to be tremendous value for the people who used them. Uh, and uh, so it was um, the, the technical challenges, the, uh, the ability or rather the opportunity to uh, create something uh, unique and new um, uh, that really affected uh, the lives of people uh, in in very you know significant ways. Um, the uh, uh, technical challenge of making these products really affordable, uh, both in terms of the development efforts as well as the cost of manufacture, uh, and at the same time, uh, making them um, high performance, making them, you know, with the features that uh, people really wanted, making them compact, um, uh, consuming low power, um, all of those challenges put together uh, made it very, very unique. And uh, it was, it was, it was a fascinating journey as I got uh, deeper into it and started interacting directly with the end users, uh, I got drawn even further into it because that's when I was really able to you know, see the difference these products were making uh, in their lives. So um, that, that was kind of, kind of how I entered into this. And uh, I guess I haven't really looked back um, there was a short period of time where I did go off and do a few other things, um, uh, developing other consumer products, um, but um, it wasn't really the same. You know, though the technical challenges and the kinds of uh, development and inventions that we were doing were were really really great, but the difference that it was making uh, wasn't really the same. So after a few years of doing that, I decided to come back into this field full time and um, continued uh, working on uh, developing products like our calculators, um, the uh, products like the iBill, and then of course our most recent family of products, which are the Braille displays and the tactile graphic display, the graffiti. I'm really intrigued by your 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 combining of your engineering training with sort of the human side of really being interested in developing products that really help people or that really mean something to people as these products do of course a lot of us really could not do a lot of the things that we do without some of these uh, accessible products like the orbit research products for example but i i really am intrigued by that um it sounds like honestly you were quite drawn to this field uh, as much as because of the human side of it as as the engineering side that is that is very very true and uh you know from time to time, uh, opportunities uh, have have arisen where, you know, uh, myself as well as our team um, could apply our our knowledge and experience to create uh, products in other fields, and you know, they they a lot of these opportunities are technically very challenging and very interest interesting. But uh, at least so far, um, we have not really found uh, a field that is quite as fulfilling uh, and, and rewarding, you know, in that sense, in, in terms of the satisfaction that, uh, that we get out of it. And quite honestly, you know, our biggest reward is, you know, listening to, to the users and hearing their stories of how our products are helping them. And um, uh, as one of my friends uh, who's been also in this field for a long time put it, um, at some point, I guess you could call it, it, is, call it as uh, somewhat of an addiction. 
<laughs> but a very nice one, and I'm I'm very very glad for it. You know, it has uh, uh, it has uh, it has been a really really wonderful journey for me, and I would I would not you know exchange it for anything. I see what you mean by the addiction factor. I know um, also being in a in a position where I'm able to help change lives every day. I, I completely get it. You just, it just you want to keep doing more. Right. Right. Exactly. One of the ways that you and I got to know each other a little bit, Finkatesh, was you held a uh, uh, sort of an open forum on Zoom at, at uh, one of the uh, conventions last summer. And I was just really drawn in by how you were so willing to engage with the customers, answer their questions uh, as best you could with infinite uh, patience and calmness. And, and, um, and, and so that sort of led you and I to, to start doing a, a monthly uh, meeting with some uh, Orbit reader uh, users on a mailing list. And so I very much appreciate uh, the, the way you approach this business and how much you take the time and the trouble to really connect uh, with your customers. My, my hat's off to you for that. I think it's very cool how you do that. Thank you. Thank you, Robert, for those kind words. Uh, it really means a lot. I really appreciate it. You've kind of been just listening to all this. David, any any questions, comments, or thoughts about this piece? No, no. I, I think it's interesting how people get involved in this type of technology. I mean, it's you know, it's a, it's a long it's it's a long journey sometimes, and sometimes you start somewhere and you and you end up somewhere completely different. So I think it's great that people can sort of, you know, hang in there or go away and think actually what I was doing before was actually pretty good. So and the other thing that I like about this field too is that it really never gets boring. You've always got some technical hardware challenge to overcome or a software challenge. Um, and I just find it never boring. I mean, people say to me, you know, aren't you sick and tired of talking to about technology after 30 years? And I'm having as much time as I did in 1990 than I am now. So I think it's great that, you know, we have companies like Orbit Research that can basically stick in there and, and keep producing products, particularly in the Braille area, because as we all know, a lot of this Braille gear stuff in particular is actually quite expensive, and particularly for third world countries where people can't afford very expensive braille displays. That's the other thing that's important to remember that this is a, you know, they're relatively, well, not relatively, they're low-cost braille devices, normally a third of the price of what else is available. And as we talked on the previous show, Robin Ellison, we talked about hybrid braille displays that you don't need an overblown or singing or dancing braille note-taker as long as you've got a means of taking a note or two or more, um, being able to read on the system independently of a computer or a mobile device, then you've got a, a really clever device in mind. So no, I think it's great that um, Orbit Research is, is still there and doing their thing. Thank you, David. A couple points that, that you made, David, I think are really important ones. Uh, clearly, I've learned um, pretty quickly from from doing some of the work with, with you, Venkatesh, that, that, that the Orbit Reader uh, Braille products are are popular worldwide so it is definitely an, an international um, market that that these products have made it into and of course a uh, part of the reason for that is they are some of the some of the first uh, really affordable electronic refreshable braille products I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the, the technology um, how it came about, whatever you are willing and able to tell us about how it how it was developed and how it's different from the some of the more expensive refreshable braille technology. Just give us, if you don't mind, give us a little background, a little education about about how how this all came about. Sure, sure. Um, so uh, the it, we when we started um, at Orbit, you know, we were primarily doing talking products. And uh, our first product was a, was a, a talking scientific calculator, and we had a couple of generations of those. And then we uh, developed the iBill, which is also a talking product, but it had a bunch of other technology, um, some some pretty pretty neat technology in terms of how we capture the image of the uh, of the banknote and process it. Um, 
And uh, then we started developing um, the um, Orion TI-84 Plus uh, talking graphing calculator. And uh, this was an, ad an adaptation of the uh, TI-84 Plus uh, calculator from Texas Instruments, which is you know, pretty much a staple in most high schools uh, around the country. And um, as we were developing that, uh, we were uh, using sonification techniques to, uh, as well as speech, of course, to uh, help the students uh, visualize a graphical information that you know the calculator is is intended to to, to plot and 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 uh, display. But uh, it was obvious that a a real time tactile graphical representation was needed. So we set about developing the uh, core technology to achieve that, to basically make a, a, a full page graphical display that could be connected to the calculator and of course to other things and would provide real time replica in tactile form of whatever graphics are displayed on the screen. So we started developing that um, uh, essentially that actuator technology. Uh, there's a lot of research that went into it because, you know, as you folks all know, this is an age-old challenge that has been uh, um, that has been worked on by many many teams around the world for over five decades now, and um, uh, the cells that were. Uh, available, um, you know, at that time and even today, you know, the the, the PSO technology um, had various challenges. Um, uh, they were good in many ways, but they all they also had shortcomings, and cost was certainly one of those. And uh, so, the you know the common theme with all of our products has always been affordability. And um, so keeping that in mind, we um, uh, came up with a method that would use mainstream off-the-shelf um, technology um, and, and or rather um, components and uh, apply those to create a, an innovative actuator. So uh, we... Uh, we we did that. We produced some prototypes, um, and, uh, uh, and the whole goal at that time was still to apply these uh, first to a graphic display. And then, of course, you know, we knew that once you know that that was that was done, we could apply the same technology to a, uh, a, to, a to a Braille display as well. So. Um, the uh, the main differences that we uh, achieved uh, between the PSO cells, uh, the PSO Braille technology, and, and ours was, um, firstly, the the technology is an electromechanical technology versus a piezoelectric uh, technology, um, and one of the uh, big differences um, uh, that uh, this provides is. Um, the pins are, um, you know, once they have moved into a, uh, an upper or lower position, they don't consume any power. So when the, when this, when the cell has refreshed, it is no longer consuming power. So that makes it really power efficient and that reduces the, the kind of batteries, uh, battery capacity that you need, the power consumption reduces, the overall size of the unit reduces, and uh, the you know it's a greener product, of course. Um, that is uh, so. But that aside, the other thing that uh, the uh, our technology provides is uh, a very rigid dot. So uh, typical piezoelectric technology. The dots are the the pins are moved by these piezo elements, and those are inherently flexible in nature. They flex upon the application of an uh, of an electric uh, voltage, and uh, so when one presses down on it with with a the fingertip, they do press down. Ours lock into position 
uh, whether they are, you know, when they're up or when they are down. And once they're locked, uh, normal amounts of force cannot, you know, move them. So they they feel very rigid. And the quality of Braille that you get and the reading experience is is very different from what you get from other sources. So uh, that's why it's been likened to signage quality Braille. And uh, you know that in in our, uh, our in our findings over these past several years has shown that uh, it makes it a lot more um, friendly for beginners uh, who uh, who are who are learning Braille because the rigidness is much the rigid pins are much easier to feel and uh, much easier to read and you know we have anecdotal um, uh, uh, remarks from uh, users that they have read a lot more Braille than they previously did, even though they did have access to Braille displays. So um, that's, uh, those are the, the main differences with, between the two technologies. I mean, ultimately in a, in a, in, in a Braille display, they both produce Braille. Um, I guess one other difference is that uh, uh, our technology is relatively impervious to fluid, um, you know, damage from fluid ingress. And um, so, you know, yes, you know, accidents happen, you know, one can spill coffee or water or, or, or a Coke um, onto the Braille display. And yes, when, when it goes in, it will kind of uh, um, uh, get some of those pins where the, where the fluid went in will probably get jammed, but they can simply be cleaned and restored back to normal function. Um, the PSO technology uses high voltage. Uh, and so most fluids uh, will cause that high voltage to get shorted and uh, cause essentially that block of cells, that module, or sometimes even the entire display to get shorted out and then has to be replaced. So um, those are the main differences in the in the technology. I remember distinctly the first time I saw um, the Orbit Reader 20. This was a couple of years ago at, at CSUN, and I was just amazed by the quality of the Braille. I've not found anything since that's as good um, because I personally really like the, the signage quality Braille. Um, even having been a Braille reader for over 30 years now, I still really um, appreciate how easy it is to feel and how, how, how firm the dots are. I just I really, really have enjoyed um, any experiences I've had with, with the Orbit Reader 20 over the years. One question that always pops up for me, and I really do feel like hitting people over the head sometimes, is they say, you know, oh, it's a really great Braille display, but it makes, it makes a bit of noise. And when you explain to people that, um, okay, sure, if you're in a recording studio, then yes, maybe you don't want to use an orbit reader because it is a bit noisy. But for most people's use, it's like sitting on the lounge reading Braille and that sort of stuff. I mean, there's another Braille system on the market that's even louder than the than the orbit reader 20 or 40. So I normally point to that one and say, well, if you think the orbit reader's loud, you go and try this one and it's three times as loud. So um, is there any look, Rakesh, about maybe future looking at trying to, and I know it's mechanical, electronic mechanical stuff. Is there any way of getting that sort of that sound down a little bit? So perhaps in a, you know, in a quiet workplace or even in a recording studio when somebody might be a, a vocal artist and doing voiceovers, that they could use something like an Orbit? Or are we, are we sort of more looking at sort of the general home market in reality? And it's just, I don't know, physically impossible at the moment to get that noise reduction down. That's a great question, David. Um, so, in, uh, you know, it is absolutely possible to get the noise level down. And the noise is basically produced by the movement of the pins, which is a sort of a mechanical action, and then a locking into place. So there are definitely methods to, to, uh, that we have explored ourselves to uh, reduce that noise uh, quite a bit. Um, uh, you know, as with most things, uh, there, are, there are trade-offs. And, you know, one of the key trade-offs is, you know, the development cost and then the manufacturing cost of the uh, newer design. 
So it is certainly something that is is on our on our roadmap, and uh, we uh, you know we do work on that. Um, we have you know over the over the years actually we have made some incremental improvements in that, um, and you know you'll probably find that you know, like the Orbiter 40 you know, doesn't have twice as much noise. You know, it's got a similar or slightly lower level of noise than the Orbiter 20. So yes, you know, it is absolutely possible. It is something that we we intend to work on further and bring to you know, future generations of the technology. Okay, well, that's good to know then. I'm probably not the very best person to speak to the noise as as a 65 year old. Um, it's not very loud to me, um, which may say just a bit more about my hearing than than the noise. But but nonetheless, if, even for me, I would say that uh, that I find what what you just said to be absolutely true that the Orbit Reader 40 is as le it is at least as quiet as the the 20 that I have. Even with this other, other device that I tried before, and it, I, I might as well mention it, it's the Canute. So it's the, you know, the nine line 40 cell braille display, and it's really, really, really loud. Um, you know, it feels like you've got about, I don't know, four or five Perkins braillers doing the same line at the same time. Um, and I, I noticed that if people look, if you start reading, like I said before, if you start reading with something, you very quickly don't even notice the noise because it's like using a speech synthesizer. I mean, when I remember back in the old Echo 2E days with the blasted Echo speech synthesizer, even that was really bad audio quality. Um, you forgot the voice because you're actually getting information. That's exactly the same with the braille display, that you're getting and reading and sharing information. And the, the fact about the braille display you know, being a little bit noisy, you, you honestly do really forget about it. So... I just let people say, oh, look, you know, have a have a week or two at any braille display or the Orbit Radio 20 or 40 and then let me know how noisy it is at the end of two weeks. And they go, oh, you know what? After I started reading Harry Potter, Philosopher's Stone, for example, I didn't really notice it after about the second or third chapter. You're right. I, I think that the, that the noise is maybe a bit surprising, a bit jarring for people who are accustomed to the really quiet piezo technology. But it it, it for me, it certainly has been basically a non-issue, although I can't understand uh, the situation in a recording studio or, or something like that. Venkatesh, tell us a, a little bit about what is available right now from Orbit Research in terms of the of the uh, Braille display line, just so people have an idea what what their options are. Sure. So we currently have... Um three Braille display products and a the Braille uh, keyboard, which is the Orbit Rider. So uh, our first product in this line was the Orbit Reader 20. And uh, that's a, uh, you know, a basic note-taking device. And you know, I, you know, I, I know that the, the words note taker have a lot of connotations. So it is a, it's a, so just to clarify, it's a simple device that allows you to uh, take notes. It's got a, a, a an, an editor um, uh, where you can do, uh, have simple editing functions, sort of like notepad for Windows. And uh, it works as a reader, so you can read uh, text files, BRF files, and uh, it provides connectivity over Bluetooth and USB to uh, any computing device, you know, whether it's a smartphone or a, or a computer. Um, incidentally, it can also interface with other devices such as uh, our uh, scientific calculator or the graffiti to you know, produce Braille output for those devices as well. Um, so that's the sort of entry-level model, uh, which for most people is more than sufficient. Um, uh, about a year ago, uh, last March, we uh, introduced the Orbit Reader 20 Plus. And this is a very similar product, but it offers uh, an onboard translator, a forward and backward translator to and from Braille uh, to text. Um, and um, it supports over 40 languages. Um, and the, the, that list is, is, a, is a growing list. And uh, so it allows people to 
uh, open a text file and be able to read it in contracted Braille, for instance, or uh, write in contracted Braille and save the file as a, as a text file and share it with others. Uh, it also, the, uh, the PLUS model also includes uh, some productivity apps. So it's got a basic calendar, function which allows you to uh, take um, you know, uh, make appointments have uh, you know have, have you be uh, reminded of the appointments when when they uh, when they occur and it has a calculator um, as well and a and a clock so the calculator is a basic four, four function calculator with memory um, so it it kind of offers the next level in productivity for folks who who would like that. Uh, we've had a very good response to this. You know, the the price differential between the two is is relatively small, and a lot of people uh, prefer the added added functionality. We do continue to make more both both of the models, and we have no plans to discontinue the the standard model. And uh, then the the Orbitator forty which we have just started shipping uh, is uh, very similar in functionality to the Orbitator 20 plus. So it has the note taker and uh, reader uh, and connectivity functions, but it also has the uh, productivity apps, uh, the calculator, calendar, and clock. And it has uh, the translator or the onboard translator as well. Um, it also, of course, offers the 40 cells instead of 20 and cursor routing buttons and also has audio capability uh, built into it. So, you know, it can provide audio indications and in the future, other audio capabilities as well. Um, it has a uh, USB type A port into which you can plug in a flash drive and be able to read files off of that, transfer them to the, to the SD card, uh, and vice versa. Um, so uh, it is uh, it is very similar in capabilities to the uh, 20 plus, but with uh, 40 cells. Um, it is roughly, you know, for those who are familiar with the Orbit Reader 20 or 20 plus, uh, it is roughly twice as long, a little bit less than twice as long. Uh, and it is narrower front to back. Uh, because we have laid out the keys in a in a different pattern, um, you know they're 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 sort of in a in a single line but arranged ergonomically. Uh, on the twenty uh, and twenty plus, because of its compact size, the keys and the cursor pad and the space bar were kind of offset um, uh, vertically. Uh, here they are kind of spread out horizontally, so it it kind of makes it more compact in some ways. Um, the the underlying theme with all of these products is to keep them simple. Uh, these products are not trying to do what a computer or a smartphone already does. And in our view, that is one of the biggest um, changes that has happened in, in, the, in, the, in the marketplace, uh, and in, in, in fact, in, in everyday life, uh, during the last 15 years or so with the advent of, of smartphones, where the phone can do almost everything that you need today, you know, from playing music to browsing the internet to, you know, looking at social media, um, uh, you know, being able to read uh, complex documents, um, uh, browse the web. And so it does all of these things really, really, really well. And there's a tremendous amount of, of development resources from some of the largest companies in the world uh, being put into uh, keeping these devices up to date and working really, really well. And um, uh, for, for us to try to create a product that even attempts to do some of those things we feel is not really a, a sort of a cost-effective endeavor. Um, so uh, you know we are we are focused on keeping the devices simple, uh, pro uh, having enough functionality so that they are pretty useful in a standalone mode, and then where you want to do more sophisticated things. 
you, all, you know, everyone does have a phone or a computer today, and you just use that as your as your um, device, your your heavy lifting device, and the Braille display as a terminal to um, interact with the device in Braille. And to that end, we have put in a lot of effort to make the connectivity between the Braille displays and the computing devices as seamless and smooth as possible. So uh, we feel that you know that allows us to keep the products really affordable because you know we're not expanding development resources on developing things that are already there. And and at the end of the day, you know everyone does use these products. They, you know every blind student or child uh, does grow up learning how to use a smartphone, and we don't see a, a a strong reason why they should have to learn a special purpose device uh, just because that's you know that's the one they are they are required to use. So we want to, uh, we, we feel that this way, uh, uh, especially, you know, younger users are going to be more integrated, uh, more easily integrated into the mainstream uh, use of products and devices. I agree. That's so important. I work with a lot of students in this job and other jobs I've held and it's amazing how the students who have been taught on those specialized devices really struggle with uh, mainstream technology when it comes time to start to really need it and use it for college. But the students who are using a combination of something like the Orbit Reader with an iPhone or a computer, they are really at an advantage over those other students because they've, they have those skills and they don't have to scramble to learn them later. I recently tried an experiment uh, where I tried just turning uh, the speech off on my phone and just uh, using it with Braille for uh, a day or so. And uh, I discovered I was able to do it quite successfully, albeit uh, slower than with the speech. It just takes longer, at least me, a bit longer to read things from the Braille display than it does to listen to the speech at, at the speed I listen to it. But, but um, one, of the, one of the things that we talk sometimes about on this podcast is that unfortunately, you know, we're kind of at the mercy of um, the, the screen reader developers, uh, Apple, Google, um, JAWS, NVDA, others, um, to, to keep this interface, this Braille interface, uh, state of the art and to keep to, to deal with the bugs and so forth. And, and I guess I'm kind of, I mean, I don't, I know you can't speak for other screen reader manufacturers, Vankatesh, but, but it seems like we're making progress, but for this to really be, um, everything that we would like it to be, there has to be a really great marriage between the screen reader and the Braille display. And I think we're getting there. Um, but, but to me, that's been a bit of a challenge. I wonder, I wonder if you have thoughts about that. That's a great point, uh, Robert. And, and yes, we are, uh, we are very keenly aware of this, uh, this issue as well. And uh, uh, so uh, uh, our thoughts on this are uh, basically that, you know, the, yes, we are, things are improving. Uh, things are improving steadily, you know, perhaps not at the pace that we would like them to be, but uh, you know, products like VoiceOver um, are doing doing a pretty good job with with Braille as well as with, with speech, of course. Uh, on Google um, uh, platforms, on on Android, uh, there, there there's also improvement there. Uh, you know, I think we we can all agree that there there's more room for it, but uh, I think it is it is coming. Um, I, I think, you know, in some ways, uh, there is the, the chicken and egg problem 
uh, where you know traditionally the number of uh, users of refreshable Braille has been very limited, and you know ultimately for most companies, uh, you know the the economics uh, do do come into the picture, and uh, so a smaller market um, uh, you know makes it less important, I guess, to some companies to uh, to provide uh, you know for that particular population. And we hope that as that changes, you know, as the low cost Braille displays bring refreshable Braille to more and more people around the world, that this will change um, the way uh, uh, the screen reader uh, manufacturers and the, and the, the operating system uh, vendors uh, see the importance of, of this, uh, uh, of the of Braille support. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I do believe it is it is it is changing, and uh, you know, as a company, we um, are very closely engaged with you know, all of the uh, major operating system and screen reader uh, manufacturers. And um, one of the other things that uh, is pretty critical uh, here is the ease of interfacing. How well the screen reader does its job is one aspect, but how well a screen reader uh, connects to a braille display is a slightly different matter. And um, during our development, you know, we had to spend a, a, a huge amount of, of uh, effort in making uh, our product work with all of the major screen readers. And um, that was, there was uh, in, in, in hindsight, you know, something that was, uh, it, it really should have been avoidable. So uh, one of the efforts we made was to reach out to uh, the, the, the platform developers, the operating system and screen reader developers, and um, uh, uh, bring about this joint effort to come up with a common open interface where things would really be plug and play, where um, you know, a braille display, any braille display could be plugged into a, a computer or a phone. And um, the, you know, just like you do with USB, it would automatically detect and understand the capabilities of the braille display and the braille display would recognize the capabilities of the screen reader and they would start communicating transparently. So, uh, I mean, the really good news here is that, you know, these efforts from, you know, essentially all of the players in this field uh, bore fruit uh, in the form of uh, the HID braille standard, which is now a uh, part of the USB standards. And, uh, we were the first company to have a product that complied with this new standard. And, uh, you know, we are very happy to see that slowly uh, uh, the screen reader vendors are also adopting it. You know, um, uh, VoiceOver already supports it. And um, uh, we know that support from Narrator uh, is, is also um, also coming. So uh, things are changing in that um, area also. And the reason why it's so important is because if people uh, or companies like ours um, uh, who manufacture Braille displays, as well as companies who, who manufacture screen readers, if they don't have to spend the effort to uh, just maintain compatibility and develop compatibility with the other products in the market, they can spend that effort on other things. Right? So it, it saves a, a lot of cost and a lot of energy, which can then be spent in doing other kinds of development, which would be more fruitful. And doesn't it also, in, at least in my mind, go a long way towards solving the, the the problem in in some ways that the note taker was trying to solve, which is give people quick and easy access to information in Braille. But if you can let your computer or your phone do the heavy listing and not have to have heavy lifting and not have to hassle with the interface, 
you, you then don't need a note taker. And unfortunately where the note takers fell down, in my opinion, which somebody's already said a bit about earlier, um, is that they could not, there's no way that a note taker that has a dedicated web browser, dedicated word processor, dedicated email client can keep up with, uh, with the, the huge companies that, that maintain these, these, these applications on their phones and on their devices. And so they're always behind. They're always trying to make it work with that next generation of, of websites. And they couldn't, they just, they just can't keep up with it. Um, but if, if this HID interface really came to fruition and really worked great, uh, and people didn't have to worry about the fragility of the connection, it seems to me like that would be a huge step towards solving this problem. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it certainly would. And, uh, you know, uh, the, uh, there's still, you know, work that needs to be done at the screen reader level to you know, enable you know, really smooth, clean access to all aspects of the, the screen. Um, but, you know, that's, that's been developed over the years. And it's, you know, in many ways, it is, it is, it is very, very good. I mean, so in other words, if you look at, for instance, what voiceover gives you with, uh, with speech, it is pretty comprehensive, right? There is hardly any functionality that it does not provide and expose for a, a visually impaired user. And if the same level of functionality could also be available in Braille, that would take things a lot further. So yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I think uh, having a, a widely adopted standard uh, by all the major vendors in this industry would would really really go a long way towards making things you know able to connect seamlessly and um, and also eliminate uh, some of the other challenges that people face with uh, uh, using note takers, which is the challenge of obsolescence. Right, um, a lot of the newer note takers are based on Android, and uh, there's a new version of Android released every single year and support for older versions you know over you know two two or three years uh, old uh, disappears very quickly and so people are always looking at okay here's a, pop, a platform that is guaranteed to go obsolete in a few years and then you know I'm stuck with an ex really expensive product that you know I have to either spend a lot of money to upgrade or just to stop using. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that that issue will also be addressed. And uh, uh, but to me, you know, one of the, the biggest advantages of sort of using a mainstream device is the fact that it is a mainstream device, you, you don't have to learn something special, you don't have to, uh, you know, learn how to interact with something that is special purpose, you know, you're using standard technology, you know, if you have a computer, you can upgrade the computer, you can buy a new one, um, and uh, still keep your your Braille uh, display. It's interesting, actually, I've been sitting here with my, um, my Obit Reader 20 on my lap, and just as you've been talking, talking I've been switching just because I can, just to prove a point why you've been talking, I was switching <laughs> between my Apple Watch, my MacBook Pro that I'm currently sitting on, uh, my iPhone, my iPad, uh, just by using just one, you know, twenty cell Braille display. So, I, I mean, I, I really agree. I think the the age of note takers is starting to get a little bit longer in the tooth now because the technology, mainstream technology now, is giving us that accessibility level. Then we don't need to get compensated by having custom devices. What we really need is our our screen reader and our screen reader slash Braille display um, to do the job in interfacing with mainstream devices. And I was writing a paper the other day and saying that, you know, it's not only just, um, you know, speech and Braille can interface with computers and smartphones and tablets, but there's no reason why at the end of the day it can't use, you know, the human interface device uh, implementation or, Bluetooth or other mechanisms to interface with other things down the track. So, you know, wouldn't it be cool that if you could use your Braille display with your washing machine, your dishwasher, your coffee machine, um, the ATM, whatever else it might be that has technology to be able to do that. So 
no, I just think being limited by the fact that you think about computers and, and smartphones and note takers, um, I think it's really good that we start thinking about, well, we can access mainstream devices, so let's make sure that you know we can keep utilising our access tool, i.e. speech or braille. And, and I, I agree with you. I think that's the, the key point, that it's the device giving you access and you don't need to update the device if you don't need to. It's the mainstream device that you update, and that's like anybody else. I mean, I had my MacBook Air for eight years. It lovingly served me very well, and then I've just updated to an M1 MacBook Air and a MacBook Pro. So, you know, I'm still using the exactly the same brow display. It's just the computer's changed. The beauty of the, the common standard is that, you know, just as you pointed out, any product, in you know, any consumer product or otherwise, can... Um, can use that standard and be able to talk to a braille display and be able to accept input. So you, know, you could walk up to your washing machine and, and control it with your braille keypad. And you know if it and building in, you know, especially for you know, simpler devices like that, building in that capability isn't that difficult. You know the the challenge really is doing it during the design phase rather than an afterthought. And I know lot lots of organizations and individuals have made efforts to to uh, you know push the industry you know, the consumer electronics industry and the appliance industry towards that and I think there has been there's been some progress but uh, I think this is something that we should continue to to push really hard for yeah absolutely did you mention you mentioned a, a, um, that calculator you were talking about now, question one is that a scientific calculator and question two is that actually available around the world? Because that's the first time I've heard you guys talk about a calculator and a braille display. And it, my ears popped up quite well when you mentioned that. So is that currently available around the world? or? Yeah, we make uh, two calculator models. One is a talking scientific calculator, which is uh -huh. uh, in, the, in the US, it is intended for kind of middle school use. Uh, and then there is a uh, talking graphing calculator, which is the Orion TI-84+, and that's based on a fully programmable graphing calculator. It's very capable, and that's intended for use in high schools, at least according to the to the uh, uh, U.S. Um, uh, curriculum. And, and curricula vary widely around the world, and you know, even to this day, in 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 many countries, you know, countries like India, calculators are simply not permitted in schools. You know, you 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 don't use them in schools at all. So, uh, but uh, but yes, uh, the uh, uh, graphing calculator that we make uh, interfaces with the Braille display, and uh, so all the textual information that appears on the display, you know, whether it's equations or you know uh, numbers, uh, results. Uh, or you know uh, uh, the coordinates of graphs, all of that gets sent over to the Braille display, and so you get both. You know you get speech output, you can get sonification at the same time, and you also get uh, Braille output. So you know if you if you wish, you can use Braille alone, um, or use a combination of Braille and uh, uh, speech. Uh, they are available through all of our distributors. Um, uh, not all of the distributors carry the calculators because, uh, you know, as, as I was saying, you know, in, depending on, on the country, um, some of them uh, are not really used. Um, so, for instance, you know, in, in Australia, you know, the talking scientific calculator is actually, you know, is is approved as uh, as part of uh, the um, uh, you know the accepted devices in the classroom and in, in exams. The graphing calculator also, you know, has been used by many students in, in Australia, uh, but I'm not sure if there is an approval process for that. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, we, we do make, make them available to all of our distributors. They can all order them from us and then supply them to their local, local uh, uh, clients. That's very exciting, yeah. Because I, I I keep getting asked like when when people, you know, when like the part of education goes well, you're not bringing your iPad or your smartphone to use your scientific calculator into this exam because you could be using your smartphone or tablet to do other stuff, not just in in the exam. Right. So that's actually really interesting. So I might uh, I might wander off to the the Bowser Vision Australia and 
and have a bit of chat because we're always getting asked about, you know, for some children in particular, they may not, you know, for one reason they may not be able to use a smartphone or a tablet or a computer. So having a, you know, a talking calculator or a, a talking graphing calculator with a refreshable Braille display because I love reading equations and mathematical formula in Braille. It just... Mm -hmm hands down trying to listen to it with speech, particularly when you get all the layout happening. So and that's really exciting. So I actually learned something today. Robert, how about that? David Woodbridge learned something for a change. We should do our victory dance. We should. We should. <laughs> yeah. Thumbs up, everything else. I'm like, oh my God. So there you go. Look, it's only March and I've learned I've learned the first thing for the new year. So that's excellent. <laughs> well, I don't want to keep you guys too long. Um, we, we've been going for about an hour here. The time has really gone fast. But I do think the uh, I, I'm I am personally enjoying uh, my Orbit Reader 40 quite a lot. I'm already already reading lots of books on it, and uh, but I like to read in Braille, and it is very nice to have that 40 cell uh, display. The 20 cell works well, especially if you put it in auto scroll mode. Uh, but but the 40 cell is really nice for reading novels. I have have to admit. So I I I would encourage you know, everyone um, to to think about these uh, products from Orbit Research when you are investigating uh, Braille devices and Braille displays. Uh, I really do think there's something to be said for the simplicity of the products, which means they do endure, um, you know, through uh, various iterations of iPhones and 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 MacBooks and and Windows computers and whatever you you choose to connect them to and so uh, th th these products to me are really worth taking a look at. Allison, any final comments, uh, thoughts, anything from you? Well, I just wanted to say that although I haven't had many opportunities to use many Orbit research products besides the iBill, which thank you for that because it served me very, very well. I have purchased uh, Orbit readers for uh, several folks. And um, what you're doing is is changing lives every day, Venkatesh. And it's just been a, a wonderful um, a wonderful time uh, getting to know about you and your background in Orbit research. And um, I just thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much, folks, for all those kind words. And uh, as I was saying earlier, this, this truly is our biggest reward. So thank you very much uh, for your continued support. You know, the, we, are, we are blessed to have enjoyed a lot of love and support from the community. And uh, that makes a big, big difference for us and it inspires us to, to continue to do this uh, every single day. So thank you very much. And thank you for having me, folks. Uh, it was really a pleasure. The other thing I, I absolutely like with the um, the Orbit, and I, mean, I know we didn't speak about it much at all, is still the Orbit Writer keyboard. I mean, between the Orbit Reader 20, um, the Orbit Writer, which is just the, for people that are listening, it's just the, it's the straight Orbit Reader 20, if you like, with, and it's very thin without the bra display on it. So um, that's my one that I have in my pocket all the time. It goes with me everywhere. Um, so that's really good. The other thing, I, and I know we almost were finishing up, but I just wanted to ask you one final question. When you mentioned the word audio in the in the in the the session, in the session today, could we expect some type of audio text to speech thing, or are you more talking about general audio as in sound effects with future developments of the Orbit, you know, Orbit Reader twenty plus or forty, etc. That's a Great question. And uh, the, uh, the the short answer is that, uh, yes, uh, the intention is to be able to provide uh, audio features uh, in the future, including being able to play back audio files, uh, possibly uh, text-to-speech synthesis. Um, and uh, but you know we are we it's something that we are we are very actively considering but we are also being cautious in the sense that you know this is intended first and foremost to be a braille product um, and uh, you know we know that most people will uh, get one for that purpose and also the fact that you know uh, unlike uh, you know uh, a, a couple decades ago where there really wasn't 
uh, out-of-the-box speech available in most products. Today, that landscape is very different because, again, of the smartphones and computers. So if you really wanted to play a, a, an audio file, uh, you would probably do it on your phone. You know, it would give you a mm. lot higher quality speech synthesis uh, and a lot higher quality, you know, high, higher fidelity audio. Um, so we're, we're, we're trying to be cautious. You know, again, we don't want to kind of reinvent the wheel, but we wanted to provide that capability because we know that there will be potential uses, uh, potentially very specific uses that uh, it could be put to. Yep, sure. No, that's that, that's just me, my personality. I I I always something. I just go, but can be. It's like Apple. There's just one more thing I'd like to have. <laughs> <laughs> that's been great. It's it's like Alison said. It's always been great catching up. I mean, I've I've really enjoyed the session. It really hasn't felt like an hour for me today, Robert. It's been um, it's actually been quite enjoyable. Yeah, I've enjoyed it as well. I have not even turned on any of the audio. Uh, on the four, uh, Orbit Reader 40 right now, uh, the the audio that's there is only the uh, ability to to add audio sounds to start up and shut down and uh, error beeps and things like that. Um, but the, the the other features are not yet available, but I haven't even tried those. I need to need to go play with the audio and see see what it sounds like. Every day is a new day. I, I get a new toy every time I turn it on. Right. All right. So um, anyway, um, yeah, thank you so much, Vankatesh. I appreciate you, you being here with us. And I do think that, that this is good information for people to have. And I look forward to, to getting this uh, podcast out as soon as I can. I got a busy work week, but I'm going to get it edited and uh, get it published at the very latest by sometime uh, over the uh, upcoming weekend. All right, you all. Thanks. Thanks a lot for being here. I think that's about all um, we have for now. So I'm going to simply say this is Robert, one of the tech doctors and so long for now. And this is Allison Malloy saying bye, everyone, and stay safe. And as I say in my audio and video podcast these days, I've changed it slightly. And now I normally say now thank you for attention and I'll talk to you next time.